0: Uh, hello and welcome to what is likely the final tapping up podcast of the year. I thought you'd like that one here. Disgusting
1: Christmas cheesy, spirit, cheesy isn't it? motherfucker. <laughs> I'm the Grinch. You're like the gay Santa Claus. Bad Santa. Mm,
0: curly Santa. <laughs> curly Sue Santa. <laughs> um, could be, as I say, the last one of the the year for this. Uh, depends, obviously, what happens next week and how absolutely smashed I think we both end up being over the Christmas period. And obviously, if anything significant happens, we might just jump into the studio and, and record a special one for all those people who can't bear not to hear us voices over the space of two weeks. Our uh, Lister in
1: Belgium and three other people in the UK who can't <laughs> live without us for an extra week, but
0: um, they can't listen uh, to any podcast without commenting on my octaves. Obviously, the they'll, they'll ones my that.
1: pronunciations oh, exactly, so,
0: uh, exactly. It's been quite a good year for for sports in general. Um, what seemed to be sort of the first year. Coming out of all the Covid stuff and, and finally getting back into a sense of normality. Obviously we had the World Cup, a lot of big things happening in the UFC, a lot of big things being teed up in boxing. Um, it's quite a lot to go through this week and we'll, we'll run through it fairly swiftly because I know that you're absolutely desperate to get home and watch Liverpool get trounced by City um, and obviously we're recording it a day earlier this time so it will be released I think. At the time people listen to this early Friday morning probably um, one last chance to listen to us on the way to work hopefully but um, sort of big news or the more recent news in UFC uh, Whitaker Costa at 284 uh,
1: so they'd announced it uh, didn't they and then I saw Whitaker did a I wouldn't quite say interview but looked like he'd put his camera or his iPad in his fucking bedroom and recorded a message to say that the fight was off Uh, and Costa came out and said he'd never actually officially signed uh, a deal for uh, 284 in Australia and claims that the, I think his exact words were the money doesn't make sense. So he was supposedly on a 70k show and 70k uh, win bonus, uh, which would be the normal for him. Uh, But he's come out and uh, said he wants half a mil um, so sadly, Whitaker, being probably Australia's second best, uh, or second best well known perhaps fighter after
0: Volkanovski, is off the card in Perth. Any further news on that at the moment? Anything else? Uh,
1: no, I mean, I thought, be honest with you, given he's such a pull in Australia in terms of being the second biggest fighter, they would have scrambled to get him back on the card and find him another opponent, but it doesn't seem to be the case, and he said he's off. Normally, they won't say they're off if there's working in the background to try and give them another opponent. So definitely, if you're an Aussie, that's a blow for them, uh, seeing that one of their hometown heroes uh, with Volkanovski. And obviously, that would have been a good scrap as well. Both very well-rounded, good stand-up fight. So that's been, a, I mean, isn't it always a bit of a quiet week just before Christmas? But in terms of kind of MMA news, really, it's gone a bit off the, everything's fallen off the, face of a cliff but that was the most recent stuff I would have said that um, had happened in the world of MMA this week
0: well a few different things that I wanted to sort of cover especially with it being the Christmas and as I say potentially the last one for us uh, for 2022 Um, I kind of want to get your thoughts on a number of different things put you on the spot a little bit here Um, but I've got a few different questions so to speak for you to answer and, and see where you rank things First thing I've got is I want to know your UFC fight of the year. Uh, I'll give you a top three, if you can give me top three, uh, if you can't separate ones, but I've got some. I'm happy for you to go first, if you want to go first.
1: Um, So, for me, the standout one that I can remember uh, would be Chandler Poirier. Uh, that was a proper fight in terms of what I would call a fight. Maybe people who appreciate maybe more technical skills, but I love nothing more than two guys meeting in the centre of the octagon and throwing down, blow for blow, beating the shit out of each other. That's what got me into MMA when fights used to be like that. And I still love that shit these days. And to be honest with you, the one for me... That's the one that sticks in my mind, given you've kind of um, thrown it at me there without being able to put a great deal of thought into it. But Porrier chandler would be would be the, the standout and, and the definite one for me. If I had to give a, a second or a, an honourable mention, if we want to call it that, I've got to give a shout-out to uh, Prohaska versus Glover-Toczera, just in the fact that Glover was beating him and dominating him fairly 3-1, to one, I believe it was, or 4-1 to one on the scorecards. 3-1 uh, to one because it happened in the fifth round, if I remember rightly. Clearly going to win the fight if it went to the judges' scorecards. And then out of nowhere, Prohaska pulls a Hail Mary submission out of the bag when he's known as a striker over Glover Teixeira, who is an elite black belt. So in terms of drama and a spin round and unexpected outcome, that has to be the the honourable mention for me. But uh, if you've got a top three, I would be intrigued as to
0: your three. You've just named two of my top three. Um, to be honest, so I had Poirier and Chandler as my third. So okay, uh, two, third. Eight, one, third. Um, my second. So you've got my first, which is Texier and Praske the two seven five. My second, just because I'm, uh, is one of these who I've been very interested in this year and certainly to see where he goes next, and we'll come on to that. Um, Burns and Kimaev at 273. Um, Good fight. So I, I thought that was, was definitely worth a mention. Obviously, it was a three-round war, I think, um, from what I remember. And, yeah, it, it just seemed like that's one of those fights where there's a lot of hype behind him at the moment and obviously to see where he goes in the next year or so. But that cemented, I think, the hype train and obviously a unanimous decision against burns is no easy feat
1: burns is no joke particularly on the ground which is where Kamayev obviously is uh you know sambo submission wrestling burns again an elite of the elite black belt uh in terms of his jiu-jitsu not really known as a stand-up fighter um yeah I, i'll be honest that one hadn't really come into my head on the spot like that but very good fight
0: it's my own fault put you right on the spot and try to expect you to uh throw your superior knowledge out here. Uh, I
1: could have said something shit about being put on the spot. But yeah, I mean, Charles Laporier again, I think when there's certain fights that just stick in your memory like that and it's usually those type of fights, those slug fests, every, they both, go, both guys leave absolutely everything in the cage and certainly from, from recent memory, Again, I'll be honest with you, sometimes with the numbered events, the years in terms of a calendar year can blow into other years. There's been plenty of fights I can recall like that. But yeah, in recent memory and particularly that I know happened in 2022, Charles Le Poirier for me.
0: Okay. Knockout of the year. So again, I'll give you a top three if you've got a top three. I can almost guarantee I know what your number one's going to be. Um, but see if you surprise me.
1: OK, then. So, uh, number three, I'm going to go Pereira Strickland. I thought uh, that was when Pereira was building his, just before we got the title, that was the fight before he fought Alessandria for the title fight. Strickland is a very aggressive fighter, very forward pressure. He's always coming onto it and that played perfectly into that. And if there is a better left hook in the game than Pereira, I can't remember it. And that was an absolutely brutal knockout. And I think, again, put me on the spot a bit. Didn't he hit him twice on the way down? So he caught him once, and then that's shows the hand speed of, uh, of po tang uh, Or Poetang, I think it actually is. is on the way down, he caught him again. So that would be my number three. Number two, I would go Chandler Ferguson. I don't know if you recall that face kick and the classic the classic still image of it where Chandra literally changed his face, kicked him into a different looking human with, 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 with that head kick and it was always the, the mark of an absolutely spot on KO for me is not that someone falls backwards or flies back, is that they just crumple downwards like an accordion and he got kicked in the face and just collapsed downwards. Um... If you get, uh, I hope I'm. I hate feeding into that you think you know me well enough that it's going to. If you know what I think, I'm going to say, but it's going to be hard pressed for anyone, professional MMA journalist. I would uh, suspect would have to go with this as well, English as well. So it's got to be our boy, Leon Edwards, head kick over his man. Has to be, isn't it? Yeah, and two, I'm seven, sure eight. that's what you would yeah, guess it, that it I was going to say. That has to be, um, for me. If I recall back, and I'm now searching in the memory banks a little bit, second best head kick ever, only one above it for me was, and this might be a bit old school for you, uh, Edson Barbosa versus Terry Etim. I'm sure I've showed it to you before. Spinning wheel kick stiffs him like a fucking board, bang, out. But edwards Usman for me very very clear favorite and very e- easy easy answer if i'm honest that one
0: yeah um and definitely not going to disagree with the top one there who's Edwards at 278 obviously a massive shock um in terms of the victory one of those sort of fairy tale endings and obviously lots came out about his trainer and i always love watching that video back of his trainer speaking to him Talking him through the Superb fight. Herb cornering. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And it's one of these that I think we've discussed this in a number of our episodes where completely honest with him all the way through, want one of these where you're like, Yeah, you are battering him here, you're absolutely on top, you're gonna to coast to a victory. He knew exactly what to tell him, and thankfully obviously Edwards followed it to a T. Um
1: Weirdly, and just on a side note there, to me, comes back to on a, a complete tangent, again, unlike us, what were we talking about earlier about friends? bullshit friends will tell you what you need to hear real friends will tell you how that shit is mate you're being a twat what are you doing and it's exactly the same principle with every corner proper cornering and it was refreshing to see you are losing this fight you need to knock him out went out did it fucking superb and also very similar again if we're just drawing a parallel to the Teixeira Brahaska uh, fight in that he was 100% going to lose on the cards if he didn't pull that head kick out he was done, definitely losing the decision, a hundred percent.
0: The weird thing about that is you make it sound as though I've been saying about being a good friend there about something like a fight, etc. In fact, we were talking about something being shoved down your throat. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 just. The point I was trying to make is that honesty is the sign of someone doing their job, whether that be a coach, be a friend, be a boss, whatever it be, properly. Bullying someone up and bullshitting them doesn't do that person ultimately any favours. Prime example there. That was superb corner into a tea.
0: I think the funniest thing about that in particular as well there is um, I'm not going to give any context, uh, context at all to someone being shoved down your throat and I'm going to just let people wonder what on earth we were talking about there. And I'm going to just skip on very quickly to... Uh... Now you've made it sound
1: really ropey and... Um...
0: No, no, we're skipping over it. No context whatsoever. The only... So I, I had two again weirdly of your three so i had usman edwards uh, at top i had chandler Ferguson as my number three i thought that this particular ko that i've given uh, as number two has gone completely under everyone's radar i haven't seen this on anyone's list at all and it's molly mccann at uh, ufc fight night london and the spinning back elbow genuinely one of the best knockouts i've seen
1: I recall it and another one just on that point where we said where she didn't go flying backwards, she just crumpled straight down, yeah. which is always a say. Again, in my my humble opinion, that's a fucking knockout because your legs just go rather than falling backwards. But good shout. Can't can't disagree that that maybe had been in there. And um, if I'd had more time to maybe stew on these and go back and forth, that could have definitely been in there. But that's a great shout. Next point then. Um, fucking hell where are all these questions coming from today another <laughs> job interview today well
0: actually I've not been pissed uh, in the, the recent episode well I have been in the recent episodes with this one I've had time to prepare and time to get everything ready so um, fighter of the year again you can have a top three there's some difficult decisions to be made here I think I again think I know your top one and I think I'm going to disagree with it but yeah top fighter top UFC fighter of 2023 at 232.
1: 2 I'm going to be sneaky and buy myself some time then and go in reverse order, 3-2-1. Despite his weight issues and despite the fact he's only fought twice, but he's gone 2-0, I'm going to go number three, Kamaev, okay. just because of the way that he absolutely demolished Holland. I've never seen a quicker takedown in my life. I've never seen someone with that level of ground pressure on someone Uh, in a fight uh, and as you say despite the weight cut despite the 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 miss and the other issues he's got he is a real prospect talks a lot of shit he's learning English so he's getting better at that smack talking but he's one of the rising stars number two slight bias again I've got to say but I'm going to give it to Leon Edwards for me at number two I think with uh, only the second uh, British UFC champion ever Fantastic head kick, as we've already talked about, and i given him my KO of the year, so I think he would be number two. For me, personally, and this probably is controversial, I'm going to go Pereira. 3-0 and for the year, beat one of the top three or two pound-for-pound fighters in Adesanya, and just the way, at 32 or 33, he's come from nowhere, and just laid waste to everybody put in front of him with those heavy hands, two division glory kickboxing champion which has never happened before real even even me and i would say i'm a relatively diehard fan had only really heard of him so he i don't know anyone who's come from the obscurity if you like that he has to the pinnacle and the ufc champion in that year so for me i'm going Powatan. interesting
0: um on I love watching board. him fight. You can't,
1: he's one of the, You kn- every fight he's been in is exciting. It's not going to go to the ground. He's going to do his best to keep it standing up. And if it carries on standing up, someone's getting knocked the fuck out. So for me, it's exactly the type of fighter right up my street.
0: So you've got one of my top three then. Um, I've got Pereira second.
1: Okay. So um, it's number three for you.
0: Oh, this is one of these where, you know, you, you write someone down and you're like, because of the issues we've had with pronunciation all the way through the year, it would only be right if I didn't get this correctly, but I'm just going to cheat a little bit. I'm just going to say Islam. Okay. is uh, it's my number Makalev. three. Makalev. Yeah. You said it, not me. Perfectly. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> flawless. Well, flawless pronunciation as ever.
0: I thought, obviously he, uh, won against, uh, green in the fight night earlier in the year. Um, yes not that impressive but then goes and beats Oliveira quite convincingly um, by submission at his own game yeah, yeah. so it, it's one of those where
1: understandable definitely not uh, can't slate you for that I can I can see where he comes in for sure
0: and obviously it's cheating a little bit but his next year so 2023 can be even obviously bigger and he's scheduled for the, the big fight against Volkanovski
1: if he beats a smaller guy <laughs> that's a real challenge for him
0: which then brings me to my number one which is so sorry number
1: two you said you had Pereira Pereira
0: yeah and brings me to my number one which is Volkanovski thought the KO against Korean Zombie was very impressive because again no mean feat uh, very very good fighter thought he dominated Max Holloway at 276 um obviously still unbeaten UFC at the moment Correct. and uh, again scheduled for a, the huge fight um, in uh, UFC 28 284 284, 284. Path. Um, yeah and that's one of those where I think we've already discussed this in previous episodes as we said but it's almost a no loss situation for him he goes and loses that as you've just said and you've already proved that point people are like, oh, yeah, beaten by the bigger guy so what doesn't matter at all Whereas if he goes and wins that fight, people will be like, hang on a minute, this guy is something else, which I think already people think that I have him anywhere because he is a fantastic fighter. Um, But that then brings me on to the final bit I've got about UFC, and that's UFC in 2023. So I was trying to think of the scheduled fights, not just scheduled fights, but what might be to come in 2023. Um, And to be honest, it seems like, And you know know that they say this every year, but it's teed up to be an even bigger year than 2022. Um, There's a lot of things that have been talked about in the press that are just rumours. And you already know what the main one is going to be, and we'll come on to that. But there are a few other fights that seem to be getting to the point where it's less talking, more fighting. Um, I've got a few different ones. So Kimaev and Covington, potentially.
1: I can see. it. I mean, I thought you were going to go down the line of, "We'll get that. What's our wish, and, and like, if we could choose exactly what would happen, what would we have? And I get the feeling, I know what you're going to go to, and I'm sure I'm going to go to it as well. But on that one, in terms of, so I get, are you, are you just to give me the context here? You're talking about what's more likely to happen rather than what we would really want to happen.
0: Yes and no. So don't get me wrong, Kimmy Evan Covington isn't on my top of the list of of what I want to happen but I think it's a a likelihood that something like that will happen and obviously at 170
1: because there has been rumours that Covington might go up to 185 to fight him at
0: middleweight well that's the question and that's exactly the question that obviously we deal with on on these types of uh, episodes but yeah um, I don't know what what would you think would be Uh,
1: I, if I had to I think it, they would try, it would be the last shot that the UFC would give Kamayev at making 170 because if he then beats uh, Covington easily or dominantly, that would line him up for the next title shot against the winner of Usman Edwards rematch. Yeah. Would be the obvious thing. Uh, I saw that uh, obviously, I think we have talked about this in the previous one. Kamaev was trying to call out Pereira at 185. Pereira's manager said, what the fuck have you even done at 185? Oh, and uh, Poetang even said, yeah, but I'll take you at 205, so I don't have to do another fucking bad weight cut shortly. So, But if I had to guess, and if I was Kamayev's manager in terms of trying to get him the title shot, you'd be going 170, I think.
0: And I agree. I think he's got to then prove, as you say it, that he can reliably make way and obviously against Covington, dogged wrestler would prove that he's ready for that fight. And I mean, on the flip side, if Covington then can come out of of this and, and win, then he obviously is paving his way for another title shot.
1: Agreed. And Covington would fancy his chances probably against Edwards. The problem you've got if Esmond did beat Edwards in the rematch, Esmond's already beaten Covington handily twice. So Covington's got nowhere to go there. They're not going to make a third fight there. But yeah, I I, I see where you are going with that one. I can I, that would make a lot of logical sense, and I agree that that would probably work. Be the next fight at 170 for both fighters.
0: Well, we'll stick on the the logical fights then, and the not quite wish list fights just yet. You've mentioned him there, so Usman. It would seem that he's almost certainly going to fight Edwards now. There are significant doubts about that at the moment because he's apparently struggling with a hand injury. Obviously, the big fight to make would be uh UFC... Remind me again which London is? UFC 285? Uh, 285. 285, okay. March. And it's 286, isn't it? Because 284 is... Um... 284 is in February, which is the Aussie. Perth one. Yeah. And then I think it's the one after that. I think there's one more, isn't there?
1: Wouldn't disagree with you, but I thought it was 285. Um, 285 or 286. One either of them way.
0: Is irrelevant, in not it?
1: Um, definitely in March, definitely in London at the 02. We're definitely going to try and get tickets as soon as the, uh, uh, the the pre-sale goes on for the... Yeah, it's
0: 286. What's 285 then? Nevada, it's Vegas. Right, okay. Don't even think they've mentioned a fight on that yet, or I don't recall one, so it might just be again... 285 could potentially bring us on to us wish list, but again we'll get there. Okay. Um so Edwards Usman three, uh, obviously it it seems like that's potentially a doubt at the moment. Um everyone wants to see that and obviously as a, a Brit an Englishman, we want to see Edwards retain. If he doesn't, out of curiosity, what's the interim fight there? Because Edwards can't be kept off that London card, almost certainly has to have a fight on that with the title. Because of his standing and because of who he is, obviously you'd be praying that he keeps hold of the belt. And whether the UFC want to, I don't not think fix it's it. But... you
1: might. I don't mean to say to correct you here in terms of interim. I don't think it would be an interim title. That just means Usman's out of it, and it would be for the title. Yes, two eight six. Covington would be the obvious one that they would then maybe pull him from a Premier fight and pop him straight in. Thinking about the welterweight rankings, I think it goes Edwards. Usman, Covington's two, is he not? That would be the one that would make the most sense, depending how far they then juggle it down. I'm not sure many other fights. Again, I'm not a big fan of these when you get your number seven, your number six ranked fighting for the title. If it's not one and two, or not the champion and one, I want to see the next best. So personally, I think Covington would be the obvious and very logical choice I think that's a bad matchup for Edwards. I fucking hate Covington, but it's a bad
0: matchup for him. Which is the point that I w- will try to get out there. So, it, Not that the UFC would fix it, because obviously that's going down a different line altogether, but would they not want to try and make it so that Edwards, and by interim, I didn't mean the interim title, I meant in the interim. So Sorry. would yep. they want Edwards to try and keep hold of his belt in the interim until they can make Edwards Usman 3 later down the line? So would they want an easier fight for Edwards in the meanwhile to try and allow that still to happen? Or would it be more, you know what, don't really care. Edwards isn't that much of a draw in the world, you know, the wider world. We're just gonna throw him against the next best, whether it be Coventon, etc.
1: Correct. I don't I don't personally think either of them are big enough draws for the UFC to start the the fixing inverted commas or the pandering of fights like we've seen with your Connors, your paddies, maybe probably like that. Don't think Edwards or Isman are respected or big enough names in the wider circle, so I think they would just give whoever the next fight that they could put together would be, and the obvious one there would be Covington.
0: Okay. Uh, last logical one before going into the wish list then Pereira, Adesanya 2. Which I saw
1: myself, unless I'm mistaken, might be in doubt because of. As Adesanya have some kind of injury, so I did see. I did if, see that I did see that they might be looking at putting somebody else in against Pereira in the short term. If I haven't just made that up in a dream, but, um, <laughs> been
0: having a lot of well, dreams. I've been having recently. some fucking
1: weird ass dreams recently, so maybe. But that, uh, again, logically, that has to be the fight back. You've got for what Adesanya's done in his division and how long he ruled it over it was a pretty close fight and Adesanya was winning on the cards. You'd feel very hard done by if you're Adesanya and you don't get that immediate rematch. So, um, yeah, agreed. That would be the the very obvious one in that respect.
0: It's a weird one as well as a matchup because obviously we're at a point now where, not in the UFC, of course, but he's knocked out Adesanya twice. Um, And it's a bit of a weird one to think of as a, a an anticipated fight, considering it's now technically, what is it, 3-0? Two kickboxing.
1: 2-0 and 3-0, as you say correctly, uh, uh, across all combat sports. 2-0 kickboxing, 1-0 MMA. So, yeah, 3-0 uh, across the three fights.
0: But, obviously, the intriguing part of it, yes, don't get me wrong, there's absolutely no disputing that, you know, Pereira was the, the better fighter and won it fair and square. But, he was losing thirty nine thirty seven on all three scorecards at the time the knockout came. so.
1: And for me, Adesanya, bar John Jones, has probably the highest, what I would call, fight IQ in the game. He is very sensible. He knows what he's good at. He knows how to use the skills that he's got. If I were him and I were his coaches, which is a guy called Eugene Berryman, I would be saying... You're going to America. You are going to train nothing but motherfucking wrestling until that fight, and you are taking him down to not give him a chance to knock you out again. That is that's the blueprint, and that's why Kimaev would present a real bad matchup potentially for um, Pereira in terms of that wrestling ability. Now you could just say Pereira going to beat the fuck out of him, before... but fights always start standing, so they've got to get to him first. But a really dogged wrestler that strikes me as being very, very problematic for Pereira, unless he's been working very hard on the flip side of that in his own gym, saying, right, just practice takedown defense to make sure you can keep these motherfuckers off you. Keep it on the feet. You're going to spark them out. If If it stays on the feet, I don't see anybody being able to knock out Pereira. The way that he's got and the record, the power, he is... MMA's version, you you gave the analogy, to be fair to you, credit where credit's due before, of Wilder. He just has freakish power and the touch of death. He hits you, you go down. It's as simple as that. No one can withstand the
0: barrage from him. Which is the point that I would make about uh, Kimaev. So if you you go down that route of, um, yeah, I'll tell you what, we'll just take him down, it's much easier said than done. It's one of those where you can have a game plan, and as the famous quote goes, everyone has a game plan, so he gets punched, punched in, punch in the face, the face. yes. <laughs> and
1: well, the, the prime example of that, the best one for me, is look at Masvidal Ben Askren. Ben Askren ran at him, or Masvidal ran at him, because he was just going to try and take him down, bang, knee to the face over in five seconds. And it wouldn't surprise me if Kamayev, given that he flew at Kevin uh, Holland like that, Pereira could just pick him apart. Yeah. So, um, intriguing, um, but... It, Paratang represents a, a, a real puzzle for people to get to, to to break down and see if they can get get him on the floor. He's just got his brown belt, or after he won the title, he's got his brown belt of jiu-jitsu, so he's clearly no mug on the floor either, but he just never gets a chance to exhibit what he's got because of his stand-up skills. So he, he could be infinitely better than we think he is. He yeah. just hasn't had a chance
0: to show it. And obviously on the flip side, if anyone can solve the seemingly unsolvable code, there is Pereira. You would assume it's going to be Adesanya because obviously he's been one of the most successful middleweight champions that's UFC's seen in a, a long time. Um, okay, so nothing confirmed on these next ones. These are more going on to this wish list, as we said, and the, the, the big potential fights. I've got an interesting ones, or, or an interesting set of fights for you before we get on to the big one at heavyweight, which I know you dying to talk about.
1: It would give me a semi. The day they <laughs> announce that, I'll get a boner.
0: I mean, it'll be the biggest fight in. UFC history wouldn't it but again we'll come on to it I have got a set of fights for you and I'll explain a little bit more in detail once I've established them because obviously there's a big if here and there's a big but Conor McGregor to come back against Chandler
1: (laughs) Conor would take it because he's a fighter like that that's a bad matchup for him that would be Connor, is usually pretty astute. He doesn't turn down anybody, but I think Chandler represents a bad matchup for Connor.
0: Okay, and I, I don't the, disagree.
1: I think the UFC, personally, just while we're talking about it, would do exactly as they did with Cerrone feed him someone who's a name, who's going to stand up, who's probably slightly on the fade, like Connor, who Connor gets to light up. So, a Robbie Lawler, uh, somebody like that. Uh, personally or of course the biggest one and the obvious if we're talking about it bring Nate back and do Nate Diaz 3
0: I don't think it happened. happen I, don't, I honestly don't think he comes back to be they honest they give
1: him enough money he'll be back the reason he left was money didn't feel appreciated he, I would absolutely bet my mortgage he would come back for Conor Free if he gets enough money but sorry I've digressed off your off your off your, your, your point so ok
0: so that that would be the first one yep yeah. while well, that's going on I would put Tony Ferguson up against Pimblet. Different weights? Yeah. And I would do it at lightweight.
1: Been a while since Ferguson fought at lightweight and Ferguson is getting on a bit so whether he could cut that I'm not so sure but it would be a launch pad for Pimblet a big name for him I agree with all that. Only thing I would say, it's not a great matchup again. Paddy has a very underrated ground game and submissions. Ferguson is one of the best black blokes you get. Trains out of 10th Planet under Eddie Bravo. Um, nasty ass elbows again before he's been on this slight slide. Can see what you're saying. I think, back to the same Connor esque point, I think the UFC keep feeding Paddy a few rather bullshitty people that he can light up
0: for a few more fights until he gets the big boys personally you can see where I'm going with this because I don't disagree that Chandler would beat McGregor in that fight and obviously if Chandler beats McGregor in that fight McGregor isn't getting anywhere near a title fight so what you're then saying is Paddy McGregor correct because then you've got and obviously that's, there's a lot of variables there I mean, imagine and the, is... smack, talk. Oh, and the <laughs> exactly. smack talk you, you,
1: you could not love that and you've got the Connor wannabe versus the original Connor. Um With Connor's weight issues and alleged, I should say, not alleged, serious juicing that he's doing. I don't know if he can get back down to 155. I think he's at 170. I mean, he could probably fight a fucking middleweight from the looks of him recently. But again, I can certainly see the sense in what you're saying and could easily be billed as the best smack talk ever the only caveat i would have to say to that if you do that there's only only two venues you do that that's Wembley 90,000 people croak Park in Ireland that holds like 70,000 you cannot do that anywhere else you'd be robbing the english and irish fans blind if that happens in Vegas or some other bullshit the O2 20,000 people
0: that's a fight that deserves a 90,000 crowd Can you see why I'm going that way, though? So that's more to do with UFC has established itself these days as not necessarily giving the fans what they want, but doing what's best for their own pockets, which, again, you know, goes hand in hand sometimes. These big fights obviously get the biggest amount of money, but if that's something that happens, that is going to be an absolute moneymaker. Even though Pimblet might not be a superstar, McGregor is, is probably the biggest draw in the UFC, despite the fact that he's not had a fight for... How long now? There's we'll... No
1: problem about, it, is there? Yeah. it? Yeah. A hundred percent is, and every time he comes back, they're gonna smash the records with the pay per view. So yeah, anyone he fights, um and again, take my hat off to him as much as you know, get shit, Connor and Dana said this is a warrior, he would fight anyone on you know, not much notice, but I would be if I was his advisor I'd be saying, Let's let's take someone a few notches down the rankings rather than Chandler and someone who isn't not a wrestler who is going to stand with you and bang and give you the chance to showcase your kicks, your striking, and not have to be smothered on the ground like Chandler
0: with his relentless pressure. What you could do, and again, this depends entirely on the UFC, and I'll I'll rush through because I can see your anticipation for the next fight, but um, what you could do is you could hedge your bets on the baddie and decide, you know what, he was very debatable in how he won against um, Gordon and whether he would take a bigger fight and win in that fight and obviously derail himself in terms of this hype train is completely hypothetical. So you could say, you know what, McGregor, come back, have this fight now while the hype train for Pibblet is still going crazy, while McGregor is still the top draw and then sell out a stadium, whether it be, as I say, in London or in um, Ireland, whatever. And obviously you would expect McGregor to win it, don't get me wrong. But if Pimlet wins, it's it's a stardom propelling fight, isn't it?
1: It isn't I again, I, I look at I try and sometimes put my business hat on in terms of what would the UFC do. That to me is a fight that happens in a couple of years. Connor gets his big payday, he's on the way out and he's a fading star and he's nearly gone. Paddy's been built by that point. And that's the old passing of the torch. Then in terms of the smack talk, so if I I I could definitely see it happening in, in, in one of the venues that we're talking about. But in a few years, and with the kind of hope from the UFC that it's one of Conor's last fights, he's going out, he's getting a payday. Paddy tunes him up, and then Paddy's now the new Conor, and and goes on as their new star. So if if I put my business hat on, that's how I if I was Dana, that's how I would be looking at to try and manage that fight. Two years, maybe in the future. A lot
0: of variables on that is obviously the main one being that you are hoping that Pimblett doesn't lose his undefeated streak, and that's which he what definitely will. Yeah. He's not good enough to not. Be he's a, not McGregor, he's, is he? Oh, and he's not John Jones. You know, the, yeah. uh,
1: even John Jones wasn't undefeated. Only undefeated fighter I am aware of that's uh, ended his career like that is Khabib. You know, John Jones has got a bullshit loss on his his record. But
0: it's still technically a loss, the disqualification against Matt Hamill. But um And you're saying it and you've brought his name up and I know you're desperate for it. So the number Give one... us
1: Francis. <laughs> Dear God, I might be dying. I need a Christmas present. Give me John Jones, Francis Ingarno. The biggest fight ever. I would walk to the end of the country to watch that fight. You cannot I cannot Put into words what a fight that would be, and how big that would be, and what a wasted opportunity you are that the, the UFC are that they haven't yet put that together. What a monumental! Can, can you just imagine it? You've got the greatest ever against probably the hardest hitting ever. Goes outside the first round. I back John Jones to win, but can John Jones take a Francis
0: Ngannou punch? Well, this is the age-old. Unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. It? So this this is the, the GOAT of UFC, the youngest champion in UFC history, has got just about the, well, I mean, not arguably, the greatest the, card on his hand and his history, and then obviously Ngannou, who is unparalleled in his power.
1: The only thing that I can even think to compare it to in my lifetime, and it's not quite the same because he was on the way out, but was Tyson Lewis. So you had Mike Tyson, which was the baddest man on the planet, the most ferocious puncher. Yes, he was at the end of the career against the ultimate fight, uh, ultimate pugilist, uh, you know, an incredible, one of the most cerebral boxers you ever get in Lennox Lewis. And you've got Francis Ngannou as the Tyson, the raw power, blows himself out. He's not going to have that many rounds against John Jones. Highest IQ, ridiculous reach, amazing at every facet of the game youngest UFC champion ever, there is something wrong with you in the same way that we were talking. If you're a football fan and you didn't enjoy the World Cup final, if you don't want to see that fight and that fight doesn't get you as excited and gimpy as I'm sounding, you're not an MMA fan.
0: Dana, I know that you are a regular listener of our podcast. Um...
1: Please, Dana, <laughs> listen to us. Give us what we want.
0: It's it's the the main fight that everyone wants to see, any UFC fan. Whether it be a newer UFC fan, a diehard UFC fan like yourself, that's what everyone wants to see. Even though obviously McGregor is a big pull and McGregor will always be the more casual fans, um, fighter, it, and Garnou Jones is the one and, and it always will be the one, I think. 2023 is the time to make that fight.
1: Uh, and Francis isn't getting any younger. I mean, Francis, I don't know how old he is, but if I had to guess, he's probably 33 or 34 jones is approaching you know probably 32 so it can't wait much longer to happen before it's a little bit past its time in in that respect as well so it 2023 is when it has to happen for me but out of all of the dream of dream fights that's the one only other one i would say if we're talking about if we're going to have a quick segue then onto dream of dream fights the other one that stands out for me Gonna throw it out there as a bit of a random one I'd like to see. Pereira go up and fight Brahaska for the two oh five title when Brahaska's back.
0: Interesting. What why? What would he benefit from that, Pereira?
1: So it could be a two weight champion for a start, so he can be a champ champ. Uh he doesn't have to do the brutal weight cut because he's a fucking massive middleweight. Obviously he already said he'd take Kameeva at two oh five. Brahaska uh is Certainly, the number one uh, light heavyweight in the world for me. Very, very honourable, and can't take away. Uh, you know, uh, mention enough how much I respect him for vacating the title whilst he was injured for that. But he's going to get the first title shot when he's back. But that would be a fantastic fight for me, and I always love people that dare to be great. So someone like Pereira saying, "Right, I'm going up." Adesanya did it for. Uh, um, uh, Blahovic didn't work out for him you know, dared to be great but the size was, t- was too much ultimately I don't think that applies to Pereira so that would be the one for me would be uh, Prohaska Pereira would be my second dream fight
0: obviously on the prerequisite that Prohaska goes and gets his title back
1: yes, so he comes back whoever's got it by then whether it's I mean, it's Jamal Hill versus Texera for the next fight I would very much guess, again, we talked about this and and, and laying it out in terms of a blueprint. The winner of that, which is very likely to be Djiglava, he's then going to fight Ankelev, who should have won the title apart from the split draw against uh, Blahovic. By that point, uh, Pahaska should be back and we then fight the winner. That's when you then give it to um, Pereira. And by that point, Pereira will probably have one or two defences if he maintains his uh, middleweight title as well. So for me, that would be my second dream fight. I'd like to see towards the end of twenty twenty three. Any any standout dream fights for you?
0: None than the weird ones that I've mapped out. So again, I'd like to see McGregor uh, McGregor Pimblett just because for the smack talk. I think the build up would be much better than the actual fight itself. A little bit like. Um, McGregor-Mayweather, funnily enough, the, the build-up would be far more fun than watching someone get dominated. But no, and and obviously Nganou-Jones, um, I would much, very, very much like to see that just because just intriguing to see what happened there. Obviously, everyone would expect Jones to go and win because he is the greatest of all time. But Garnu is also... I'd, I'd be interested to see what the, the betting um, odds would look like on that and whether Jones would be the favourite or Nganou be the favourite. Easily favourite. Um, you think?
1: You're the uh, Googling expert. I'm sure if you have a Google, I bet you can find out. I don't but think
0: there'll be any odds for it yet. So. There is a
1: really weird bet maker in America that always do predicted odds. Um, let me have a look whilst we talk, but I bet you there would be odds for it. And if I had to guess, I would say Jones would be the heavy favourite. Um, of got
0: loads of typing noises now on us. Uh, podcasts uh, good shout
1: if you want to do some magical bullshit talk in the middle whilst I just uh, have a look at this but I, I definitely think that we would be able to find uh, these odds um, and I would be shocked if Jones wasn't maybe not an overwhelming favourite but I would certainly suggest he's likely to be
0: a heavy favourite I mean we could just sit here in silent. I've just had a quick look. I've literally just typed it into Google, uh and Garnu is favourite. So there I you go. can't
1: find the actual odds of yeah. what they've given. Yeah, there you go. Nah, he is the favourite. You right? That I tell you what, that fight be. happens, I'm sticking fucking sticking the bank on John Jones on that. Yeah, uh, it's that stupid odds that's a 220. Correct. That? So, but then, um, so if you put a hundred pounds on, it will take. It, uh, if you put, a, sorry, if you put two hundred and twenty, two hundred and twenty pounds on, you'll get a hundred pounds back. That's how the American odds work. So, for Jones, if you nonsense. put if you put a hundred, if you put a hundred and eighty pounds on, you get two hundred and eighty back. You'll get, yeah. So, I mean, then they're, they're, they're pretty. That's pretty close. That's pretty close to basically being like one point eight. Um, you know the equivalent when you get one point nine; they're not a million miles apart. Those odds. Let Isn't me stupid never America?
0: ever see American betting odds ever again. Obviously, but, until we got Vegas. But um, yeah,
1: um, that surprises me. But you called it. I'll be. I definitely wouldn't have expected that. And I'm I'll be expert. honest. I, don't, I think. Well, I, I tell you, the bookies aren't experts <laughs> on that because fucking Jones is taking that fight.
0: But um, I think it feels like a good place to stop the UFC fight. There, obviously, on that dream. The UFC fight, the UFC um, talk on that dream. Fight anywhere, and football is finally back. I don't have to watch countries play countries, knowing that England will lose, despite my belief that England will win everything. And instead, I can now watch Leeds United get hammered.
1: Um, yay! Well, the only good thing saving grace for you is there's a few games of football first over this game week, isn't there? But I've got the game weeks up in front of me, and I thought we can have a quick whip through, seeing as. It's pretty dog shit in terms of uh, football news after the World Cup. There's very, very even transfer speculation, to be honest, out there. Um, But first games back are officially on uh, Boxing Day. So Boxing Day, we've got a nice, they're all on Prime as well. So anyone who's got Prime gets to watch all of these or make a choice of any. And it's good where we've got four different kickoff times, so we get to watch those. Early kickoff is Brentford Spurs, so a bit of a London derby there. Uh, three o'clock kickoffs, you've got Palace Fulham, Everton Wolves, Leicester Newcastle, Southampton Brighton. Half five kickoff is Villa and Liverpool. Go on, Villa. A uh, little bit of a shame there about Stevie G getting fired uh, not that long ago, because otherwise, obviously, that would have been Liverpool coming uh, to Stevie G's team. And then the uh, probably the most interesting, I think, out of those games, not necessarily the game week, but those games, this is the 8 o'clock kick-off, is Arsenal-West Ham to another London derby. And we've been saying it for a while. Now, hopefully, is the time that Arsenal, the wheels come falling off. Jesus is injured and out for a few months transfer window isn't open yet so they're going to have to pay in Ketia aren't they and let's see if they've got the same quite cutting edge that they've been having goal scoring ability when you take Jesus out
0: of the team could shuffle it around and try and put Martinelli forward do it that way
1: on that note again BBC not the most uh reliable of reports on wages um given what we saw about Harland did you see he's about to sign a new contract for 200 grand a week, Martinelli. Just ridiculous. How old is he? Uh, 20, I think now, 19 or 20. He looks a right player, to be fair, and they should tie him down. But 200 grand a week for someone that's only been in the first team really like a season is crazy. Next, there is two games on the 27th. So you've got Chelsea, Bournemouth and the Scum, Forests. Not really anything particularly interesting there. And then the big game week is obviously where you will be attending in person to watch Harland run. Riot is Leeds City on the 28th at 8 o'clock.
0: Can't wait to watch like Christmas be ruined by Leeds United as per usual every look, year.
1: Look at it in the same way that I did with my little story on Tapping Cup about Messi, that I had the privilege of watching him four goals one day you might be able to look back and say, I saw Haaland score 10 in the 12-0 victory of Man City over Leeds.
0: Fuck you. <laughs> if looks could kill I your know, fucking I, I, face. Literally, I, I can't imagine anything worse than that. There aren't many big games and Prime normally get some good... I mean, Brentford-Tottenham is probably your biggest one there and I suppose they'll make a big thing of, of Liverpool-Villa, but... Prime normally get quite a few good games around this point in the year. And...
1: It's not a good game week, is it? No, In terms not of all. big games really like that. Um,
0: a, well, having said that, Arsenal-West Ham is probably a... An that, that would be my shout. I
1: think that would be a good game and it'd be good to... I mean, West Ham have been struggling a bit, but I, as you say, I'm more interested and dying for the Wills to fall off Arsenal and them to suddenly lose points. They suddenly get, say, let's say over the Christmas period, there's three games, one point out of three. All of a sudden this talk, we title winners with that absolutely destroyed all of a sudden
0: so um, you say that but obviously man city will lose their first game um coming back from the world cup and might go into a bit of a spiral obviously against you know
1: i mean when you've got someone like Haaland, probably the f- second best player in the world up against robin cock and diego Lorente, i mean i can't see any way that they don't don't stop diss him.
0: robin cock you can diss Llorente because he's dog shit but Robin Cock is, is fine and my girlfriend fans him. Fiance, fucking hell. You're getting slid. She does love Cock. <laughs> well so again, it's a very different podcast. Um but a very very good thing that you mentioned about you believing that Harland is one of the best in the world, because I've got another question for you. Um top five best football players in the world as of now. So specifically in twenty twenty two. But also, who would you rate as your top five?
1: You know me, there's so many different... When someone says top five, there's so many different permutations of what we're judging it on.
0: I can help you again if you want me to run through it first. Um,
1: No, because I don't want it to feel like then I'm copying you. Which you tend to do. Mbappe top. What? Um, Okay, given you put me on the spot, I'm going to not be able to give you a, co- a coherent top five in order, so let me give you five. Okay. Mbappe. Okay. Haaland. Okay. Messi. Those three jump out to me straight away.
0: Salah. Four. Fucking hell. Uh, I'm I'm probably struggling after that with five... You've got Salah as one of your top four players in the world at the moment.
1: When we look at all the different... Again, what, at the moment, what does what, you're that just mean? just looking
0: at the colour of his shirt and the badge that he wears. But like when we
1: look at you know ability on their day, what they've done over a number of years, there's a, there's a lot of things in that. He, he's come in the top three or four in the Ballon d'Or in the last three or four years. So he's scored top Premier League goalscorer for three years in a row. Can't shit on that, that those kind of stats. But...
0: I can when it's not in 2022. That was the point. <sighs>
1: Mbappe and Haaland, obviously. Messi after his World Cup, it has to be... Benzema would have to be in there given his form with Real
0: uh, and what he'd done. I'm still going to say Salah. That's my five. Jesus Christ. So you got four of my five. So... To... I'll put them in order, and I won't sit on the fence. I'll I'll be plainly obvious. So, number one is Patrick Bamford. No, obviously. <laughs> so, Number five, I've got as Harland. That's five, five. Uh, wow! Don't get me wrong. Unplayable. Absolutely fantastic. Force of nature as a footballer. Um, stats: so he's 24 games for club and country. He's got 29 goals this season. Um, can I guess the one that, I, that I've that i missed out that you've got go ahead De Bruyne no okay. De Bruyne sorry, would have around. been my sixth But sorry um, please carry on well no, I know I, I will thank I just thought, you know, for letting me
1: I know you're a big fan of De Bruyne and I suddenly thought of him then but I just wondered if that was who the
0: missing piece I was I would it. have 100% rated him over Salah Salah didn't even make my top 10 I'd put Marnie over Salah
1: you wouldn't put Bamford though would you
0: I won't buy any Leeds player there's no Leeds player in a million years is going to get anywhere near Ballon d'Or but um, yeah obviously Haaland first player to get three hat-tricks in successive home games just nonsense um, in, in his stats and things like that which is why it's crazy you've got him at five wait for my number four Mbappe as my number four 24 years old World Cup winner at this point in time obviously not as successful in this World Cup um, but did score a hat-trick and became the first person since um, Hurst to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Fantastic. Single-handedly probably got them to that final and continues to be the standout player for PSG other than someone else. And we'll come to it. Three, I've got Lewandowski. Um, finally got an award last season. I can't remember what he won. It was somewhat ridiculous the award that he got. It was like best man player or something like that I'm
1: not best. sure about that on his current form with Barca what what he was doing at Bayern I mean you're giving me shit about Salah I'm I'm, I'm not convinced for that one I've got to be honest with you Wait,
0: he has got 18 goals in 19 games for Barca what, what's wrong with that silence there you go and he also got himself a couple of goals at World Cup which obviously including a penalty including in the, the last penalty, minute including including a of a game
1: when they were going out but, but please it, it, continue he did
0: not score a lot second Benzema. I I feel like he has to be in your top five. And the fact that it took you so long to mention him, he is the current holder of the Ballon d'Or. So awards-wise, he is technically the best in the world. Um, Finally got the the trophy and finally knocks someone who isn't Messi and Ronaldo off the perch. Um, Became the first Frenchman to win the award since Zidane in uh, 98-ish, I think. Um, And also means that I think Madrid have more players than any other club who have won Ballon d'Or. It's by a couple, something like that. Um, number one, you got to get it. It's messy. Yeah, it's messy. Um, but I can't help but
1: feel on that one. He, he is the greatest of all time. He's had the most scintillating World Cup and he is having stats-wise a good year for Barca. But I think we can both agree he's not what he was a few years ago.
0: No, but he is the best player in the world. as of 2022 and that leads me on to the question because I can see your face there obviously arguably the greatest of all time me and you would argue that he is not arguable a lot of other people won and again a number conversation for a different day finally got two trophies that he craved with Argentina so his club success now matches his country success The question that I have for yourself, and there was something in The Athletic today about Erling Haaland specifically, which has sort of triggered this question for me. Do you have to win the World Cup to be considered one of the greatest of all time?
1: No, but I think a lot of... No to me, but I think a lot of people make that view, i.e. Pele, Maradona both did, and they referred to it. Ronaldo hasn't, but people will often refer to him as the best. So, my own view is that that's not a requirement. But I think when it puts you in a very small bracket of people to have been Ballon d'Or winner, won everything they can, and won the World Cup. And with Messi, for me, that was always this kind of question mark, wasn't it? Was he hasn't won the World Cup, he hasn't done this, which is now that he has. And I'm so glad for him, that is put to bed and that's done. But personally, for me, no, I don't think you do need to have won the World Cup to be the best player, considered to be the best player ever. So Haaland, for example, could he, if he carried on scoring 50 goals a season for the next 15 years, potentially be classed as that? Chances are he's not going to win the World Cup with Norway. Well, he
0: isn't going to win the World Cup, we can say that for sure. So,
1: um, no, for me. I don't think you do, but I think it it, it certainly helps you break into that Pele, Maradona, Messi bracket that are undoubtedly the top
0: echelon. So, is, the reason that I asked that obviously is because of that athletic article. The main person there that you would be questioning with regards to could he be one of the greats is obviously Haaland. Um, very young at the moment, don't wrong, and a lot can happen in the future. Whether he continues with the, the scoring rate that he's, he's already shown in previous years and has shown in this year certainly is a different question. There's no sign of it stopping, but he's realistically not going to win the World Cup. D- d- you know, Barring a miracle, Norway aren't going to turn into one of the best footballing nations in the world. Mbappe has won the World Cup. So if we get to the same discussions about Ronaldo and Messi in a few years' time, with the regards to Haaland and Mbappe, is that going to be one of these things? And again, we're not talking about these weirdos online who post you know Ronaldo's better than Messi and I don't care what Nelson is, and you're crying etc etc and trolling and stuff like that but is that going to be something that's going to be lauded over Haaland for the rest of his career if he's being compared to Mbappe because Mbappe has won it and might win it again.
1: By people that don't that are looking for something to hold over someone and to have a disagreement to argue in the opposite way, i.e. for an Mbappe. Now, obviously, does it help that Mbappe has won it at 19 because he's always got that, could easily win it again in his career? Um, So I can absolutely see um, the point in that respect. But again, everything is subjective. But for me, no, it's not a requirement to win the World Cup to be considered the greatest. It helps, but... I mean, look, at weirdly, that seems to help more than anything. Maradona has nowhere near the numbers that Messi does, but has always been held above him until maybe now because of the fact he won the World Cup. So maybe in the wider audience and maybe the more casual fans of football, of which there are more people than of MMA, I think that seems to be something that does trigger in people's mind, oh, you have to have done this to do that, but definitely not for me.
0: Do any country matters... Uh, Honors, sorry, matter at all? Because it feels as though that's one of the things that that's the hand you've been dealt, and you can do nothing about that. If you're a successful player, you can go to the best player teams in the world. The one I would um, give
1: you that again, very too old even for my uh, ancient ass is Puskas, played for Hungary, considered one of the best ever. Uh, Yash Levin has his own trophy named after him, considered the best goalie ever never won shit at the USSR as it was then, uh, Russia now, so they are in that group of the upper echelon, they didn't win jack shit, so um, it definitely helps and I'm sure it adds a nice trophy to add to the cabinet for people, but no, not ultimately for me I I don't think trophies per se I think winning Champions Leagues winning leagues helps, but if you churn out numbers like a Messi has done, I mean look look at Haaland. He hasn't really won a great deal so far in his career but his numbers are insane. Now he's at City, he's very likely to add a a cachet of trophies to his collection by being at City and probably the move if he does, I know we've disagreed on this before, if he does go on to a, a Real or something after that, he will only improve it further but I don't think it's actually personally that necessary in order to be classed
0: as a great. My last point on football then. Just because you mentioned there about honours again is Harry Kane a better footballer than Wayne Rooney statistically statistically
1: yes because hasn't he drawn level with his record Um, one he's probably scored I, I was never Rooney's biggest fan but on his day he was spectacular scored far more spectacular goals than Kane did Kane is your Gary Lineker-esque poacher, isn't he really? Scored far more penalties, I think, than Rooney has. Far more probably in the six-yard box. Statistically, there's no doubt he will... I know he's tied at the moment, but he will beat that record, so he will be England's top ever scorer. I never liked Rooney myself, obviously. Everton, then the Scum, two worst teams that you could possibly play for, for me. But if you're looking at it objectively, I'd rather
0: have Rooney in my team than Kane. Which is fair enough because they're two completely different players out there they do different roles and it's it's like not necessarily comparing chalk and cheese but there is redeeming uh, qualities for either player um, Yeah uh, boxing then so final bit
1: Only a little bit for me um, I was rough over the weekend and my missus I know you were out uh, weirdly my missus was out as well maybe I should be worried about that both out and close in the same leads uh, sneaking around behind my back but I watched the boxer event I saw that it was in Bournemouth, so just down the road from my hometown in a place called The BIC, the Bournemouth International Centre. Funny, because one of my mates who's a big boxing fan, uh, I thought to myself, Nick, give him a little shout out. Was he there? Watching the fights. About 10 minutes later, I get a video through from him showing the ring walk. So he was there. Um, some good scraps. Low level. No real big uh, names, uh, to be honest with you, on the card. Uh, I forget there was a heavyweight scrap that was a real good slugfest. A guy called Robinson versus someone else I forget the names but that was a decent scrap you had Caroline Dubois spark out her opponent in less than 60 seconds so she again is looking a real prospect Um, the only real name uh, on the card was uh, Callum Bill and Smith CBS Um, you know local lad fought a couple of times in Bournemouth and even though there was no title on the line they said that the winner will get into a title fight and it will likely be in Bournemouth again they're trying to look at I was going to say Dean Court. It's not called Dean Court anymore. Is it called the Community Stadium? Bournemouth Ground? The, uh, oh, I forget what it's called. Oh, so it used to be Dean, Dean Court was what it was always called when uh, when I lived there. Um, but I forget the name of it. So I it, might, is that, it might have even been changed to something from the Community Stadium. It's it called
0: Vitality Stadium? I
1: think you might be right. It's a good shirt. It might well be. So they're going to do it there. Uh, and of course, this is a light heavyweight where we've also got, who was ringside, Richard Rackapork. Uh, And we've got a title holder in... Who is the other title holder? Uh, Akali. Uh, All at that weight. So um, he's fighting a Kosovan chap. Uh, I I think it was uh, Zanjai, how they pronounce his name. Uh, Came out completely out of the blocks. Far smaller guy. Was swinging some bombs. Had probably better hand speed than CBS. I was texting my mate there saying, look, he looks a bit troubled here. And he got caught with a particularly big punch, CBS, in the second round and wobbled. Then it got to, started to use his jab a bit more, work his experience, got to the fifth round, laid this guy out hard. And I showed you the uh, the knockout, didn't I, earlier in the week. When someone goes down, for me, crumpled, as we've discussed earlier in our accordion, is the hardest knockout. The second hardest is when someone goes down in installments so they kind of go uh, 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 and down and um, that was a hard hard knockout but um, good scrap like to see it down in my neck of the woods in Bournemouth and I will certainly be trying to get tickets if they do do the um, uh, full title fight down there and um, you never know I'll take you down and uh, show you a good time in Bournemouth mate if we uh, if we get that if I'd rather you rephrase
0: is, that I'll be honest um, as good, fun as it it's
1: a good night out I mean you need to keep quiet that you're from Leeds because because
0: uh, they hate Leeds fucking hate
1: Leeds. Leeds down in Bournemouth after you came down and fucking wrecked the cu- fucking town in uh, the cup in the 80s but um, good night out Bournemouth um, you'd, I think you'd like it um, a damn sight fucking warmer than Leeds as well but um, yeah good little event I thought giving it had no real names on it so I was only sat in waiting to pick the missus up from uh, from her uh, Christmas due. So I was a bit bored. And then I actually watched a few prelims on the UFC fight night as well. So um, good night of fighting for me, sat in. But um, that's it for me boxing-wise. There was not really much else to talk about, I don't think, is there? Unless no, I was going
0: to say there's, there's not really that much that's happening at the moment. Um, I am going to give you a few more questions just before we close this out. Just because it's a bit of fun, isn't it? A bit more... Testing your brain and, and testing see... Testing my you...
1: brain as we tick closer and closer to kick-off for the Liverpool City match. Oh, so, no, uh... that's
0: a shame. Um, no, we'll wrap it up quickly then. Um, a few little points. Boxer of the Year for you.
1: Oh. It's a difficult one because no one really seems to have particularly stood out for me. I mean, the one that Ooh. I love that if I had to choose would probably be either, both at the same weight, Bivol for beating Canelo or Berta Biev. And we've said it before, that's the fight that has to happen. But if I had to choose, uh, I'd probably go Bivol for beating Canelo.
0: Yeah, Bivol's mine. Um, I, I think if he sat down at the start of the year and, and planned out a perfect year for himself, I can't imagine that it'd have been too far away from what actually happened. Um, obviously,
1: Shows the danger of these people bumping up in weight, though, a bit like we've it's said. It's the
0: cockiness. It's Alvarez or Canale thought he was king of the world. Obviously, he was a pound-for-pound number one at that point in time and then gets beat on unanimous decision. Um, and then he goes and beats Ramirez as well uh, before. So, yeah, he, he was mine. I do have an honorary mention, though. Um, Inoue, because he is currently, and I had a check of this before just to make sure, he's currently rated the, the number one pound-for-pound, pound, and rightfully so.
1: Undisputed, anyway. yeah. Um The only thing I was... I, I, he was originally, when I was thinking there and just and just mulling it over, the only thing I was thinking is who has he beaten this year? Now, alright, he beat Butler and took his belt to be the... I don't know who else he's... I can't recall who else he's beaten this year. He is definitely my pound-for-pound pound number one. I love watching him fight. Spectacular fighter. But Bivol beating... Canelo, given the hype behind Canelo and everything that goes with it, I think makes him the more obvious choice for me, but definitely I would completely agree with that as an honourable mention.
0: Yeah, and he is one who 2023 is going to be a massive year for as well, because he's just been given um, quite recently the uh, Bantamweight Super Champion um, uh, award in the WBO's latest rankings, which means that he can go obviously go for a, a title shot if he moves up to challenge uh, Stephen Fulton in the above weight division, which he said he wants to do. And if he does go and win that, um, he would then I think it's a super Bantam weight, in it? Above he would then be uh, Bantam's around 130,
1: 132, 130, 135 is in um, UFC, it's around that in pounds in boxing. One forty-seven is what we always say, which is welter, where you start to get the big fights. So I want to see him breeze up quick, a couple of fights, getting up towards one forty, which is light welterweight, and one forty-seven for welterweight. That's what I want to see. That's where you get your arrow spences. Uh, you know, if one he's got Devin Haney, that would be a good fight. You know, there is there is just a couple of divisions up, it opens up doors to some fucking
0: fantastic fights. Yeah, and he would also become the first whether they become the first or not. I don't. Either way, he would be um, a champion in four different weight classes if he went and, and won that because he's previously obviously won uh, things at light flyweight, super flyweight, bantamweight now, and then super bantamweight. He's got a
1: long way to go before he gets to
0: Pacquiao's record, which is eight. Which is ridiculous. Um, last few bits then. So my story of the year. Uh, I thought I'd give a little bit of a, a shout out here. Um, it's Usyk and, and Lomachenko. Obviously the whole thing that happened with Ukraine, Um, (laughs) the fact that they went out to the military and then um, obviously defended it or or whatever they did um, in terms of the attack from Russian forces they then go on and win their fight um, later in the year and obviously Usyk um, beating Joshua in what isn't a controversial fight at all it just seems to have sent Joshua's head spinning but yeah ridiculous um, real men real champions yes, it, going it, back it, to fight for your country like that that's that's a different level isn't it um, and you consider that next time someone gives an excuse for a poor performance um, yeah I went and fought for my country and then beat who I was supposed to beat so um, as opposed and- to i had a bad training camp <laughs> yeah. i did i
1: fucking didn't eat well enough uh, we weren't a fucking war were you so no i, I can't disagree with you there i think that's a great shout out to those boys uh and what they did uh the nationalism and um you know pride of their nations to go and do that and not just take photos because how many places but a bit like the the klitschko's to be fair if you're going to talk about them like that actually go and do it not say we're going to do it not take a few photos to look fucking good on Twitter and social media to actually go and do it so yeah that's
0: a great shout and then finally boxing in 2023 it's a little bit like UFC in 2023 few sort of big fights I'd like to see personally and obviously boxing's a little bit more up in the air about how these happens and you don't really see the best of the best fight the best of the best but um, I've got Davis and Garcia as a a fight I like to see at lightweight obviously a pair of unbeaten lightweights um, apparently agreeing to face off in April obviously uh, Davis has to be uh, Garcia in in Jan Um, so we'll we'll see if that happens Errol Spence Jr and Crawford definitely a fight that everyone wants to see it seems like it's taking a ridiculous amount of time to make this everyone wants to see that fight and second number two after surely what
1: you're going to come on to which has to be
0: Fury music. Well, I've got one more and that would be because you mentioned him Berta Biev and Bivol yes. that would be a ridiculous fight to see and again there's a lot of bridges to, to cross to get that um, obviously they're not aligned when it comes to network and promoter and there's a gap there that they have to sort but it seems like both of those fighters are the type of fighters who want that chance at history and then as you've rightly mentioned there the number one is quite clearly Usyk Fury, and I don't think that boxing's marquee division has produced a fight this significant in a, long, a number of, of years. Uh, I think since maybe, if you had to argue, Joshua Klitschko had a bit of significance, this is the top of the top, undisputed, two people who look like they cannot be beaten by anyone other than each other. And I'd be very interested to see who wins out of that. Still back Usyk, and I know you back Fury, but yeah, that is something that I think demands you know Wembley or something along those lines.
1: Completely agree. Has to be, but I'm going to be honest here. Maybe slightly controversial. If I could pick one, I go Jones and Garnu over Fury Usyk. For me, that I I would rather see. If I could only choose, what they are undoubtedly the two ultimate. Fights, but in highest desired fight in boxing, highest de- desired fight in MMA. If there was a choice that only one could happen, Jones and Garnier for me.
0: I do feel as though that's a fight that you've been waiting on a number of years, though. Sort of, I know you've been wanting Jones at heavyweight for a while as well. Um, so I... he's been preparing for it, he's
1: been feels like his his, his legacy has been tainted by. His shenanigans outside of the ring, and that will always tarnish his legacy. But this is his chance. You don't, he will be very clearly and undisputedly, I would say, the greatest of all time in MMA if he does that. And he goes up, beats Garnu, gets the title, couple of defences, bows out, undone, retires, effectively undefeated. We've said he's got the disqualification loss, but he's never been beaten properly. But I've got to bear as much as I'd love, love to see Usyk Fury jones in Garner tops
0: it for me i feel like it's a good place to end um it's been a, a very eventful year isn't it? i think for, for all sport in, in general but um thanks very much to all our listeners this year hopefully 2023 will continue and, and be a, a, another special one in terms of sport uh, i hope you all have a, a very merry christmas have a fantastic new year and uh, we'll speak to you shortly <laughs>